Hello, I'm Tom Hauser. Stop me if you've heard this before, but there's a budget impasse at the Minnesota State Capitol, and lawmakers are headed for a special session. Now, technically, they still have about a day and a half left to come to an agreement on a two-year budget for the state. But big, major disagreements still loom on spending and taxes. Budget talks between Republican Senator Paul Gazelka, House Speaker Melissa Hortman, and Governor Tim Walz were short and largely unproductive Saturday. Hundreds of teachers rallied for more funding earlier in the day, trying to shatter the cone of silence among legislative leaders and the governor. Governor Walls broke his silence long enough to show up at the rally and pit DFL House members against three dozen Republican senators. All of these legislators standing in front of you, here's the deal. We got three dozen people that need to hear our voices roar. We've got two days to roar. Let's do it. Let's do it. Mr. President, I move that further proceedings... On the Senate floor, Republicans passed a continuing appropriations bill to keep state government running if no budget agreement is reached by June 30th. Tempers flared as Democratic leader Tom Bach accused Republicans of trying to run out the clock on negotiations. I've been here long enough to, to have seen this kind of a stunt pulled before. The word stunt was used. We have 58 hours left. That doesn't help. After passing the bill 35 to 31, Republicans defended the move, holding signs showing all the state services that would be preserved if negotiations fail. That bill will allow Minnesota to continue operations, all agencies, all work, uh, in the event of a shutdown in the state of Minnesota. It might be too soon to talk about a government shutdown, but a special session is all but certain. And we are joined now by four legislative leaders to talk about where things stand in the final hours of the session. House Majority Leader Ryan Winkler of Golden Valley, House Minority Leader Kurt Doubt of Crown, Senator Roger Chamberlain of Lionel Lakes, who chairs the Senate Tax Committee, and Senate Deputy Minority Leader Jeff Hayden of Minneapolis. Gentlemen, thank you all for being here. Uh, Senator Chamberlain, let me start with you. We're definitely headed for a special session. I don't think anybody has got their head in the sand enough to think that we're not. Democrats say it's because of Republicans' inability or unwillingness to give in on taxes. Well, a couple of things. Uh, as uh, uh, Majority Leader Winkler had mentioned the other night, negotiations are about compromise and working both sides. So there's two, there's two partners in this dance, right? It's not one or the other. There's two partners, and they both have to reach an agreement. Governor Wall just talked there about hearing uh, 36 of us uh, or 35 of us hearing people roar. I tell you what, there's been thousands and tens of thousands of people wanting to roar and telling us no more. The governor did not campaign on $12 billion of tax increases and 10% increase in spending. So there's a lot of other people out there that are willing to be, that want to be heard. Again, the only folks aren't down, that are not down there being advocated for are the people who are paying the bills because they're working and they need somebody to roar. They're roaring too. Need somebody support him. Representative Winkler, uh, Governor Walls did not campaign on a 20 cent gas tax increase and billions of dollars uh, in tax increases, or at least 12 billion. Uh, did he overreach? Did House <clears throat> Democrats overreach? 
We have been very clear. Governor Walz has been clear for a long time. House Democrats have been very clear for a, a long time that we are putting out an honest budget that creates great roads for Minnesota, great schools, and affordable and accessible health care. Those things do cost money. They don't cost $12 billion. That is not an accurate number. It's an exaggeration used to hide extreme Republican budgeting. That kind of budgeting that says that there should be no new money for schools, there should be significant and deep cuts for a million Minnesotans who use uh, medical services, health care uh, that, that the state helps to pay for, their roads will continue to crumble. That extreme budgeting is what we are trying to work through this year. That's why the stalemate has taken so long to get to break because uh, we are up against people who don't want to do any of these things. They don't want great roads, they don't want great schools, they don't want affordable and accessible health care if it costs somebody something. And Representative Doubt, is it realistic to just completely hold the line on taxes and spending, given the fact that the population of the state is growing, uh, the population is aging, that brings extra nursing home costs, health care costs, and those types of things. Can we keep doing the same things, providing the same services, without additional resources. Well, what Democrats don't want to tell you, Tom, is that we've got $3 billion of additional tax revenue projected to come in in the next biennium over the last. Uh, that would equate to about a 7.3% increase in general fund spending uh, without raising one penny of new revenue. Uh, and I think Minnesotans aren't going to understand why Democrats want to send us to a special session or worse, a shutdown, because they demand more taxes out of Minnesotans. We can do this without new revenue. Uh, there's plenty of money uh, in the system already. And, and we have that new revenue, frankly, as a result of the Republican tax cuts from the last two years. Because the economy actually grew, uh, the state's collecting more revenue. And that's, that's a sustainable uh, way of getting through this. And Senator Hayden, we did get a re revenue report that tax collections, mostly income tax collections, were up about 489 or 491 million in the month of April alone. Uh, didn't come at a great time for Democrats who were trying to uh, pitch more uh, taxes. Uh, how big of a factor is that? The fact that the state does have a surplus, yet you're still looking for big taxing. Well, you know, I think that the idea that we're going to kind of like month by month and decide the budget that way, that's not the way the state budgets. We have a two-year budget. Uh, it projects out. So this month we had more money, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the November forecast, much less the next February forecast. So that's not the way in which you want to look at it. We have a set of numbers that we're all working on, hopefully, and that's one of the issues is that the numbers that we're working on are, are, are a little fuzzy. Let's go back to health and human service. Seventy percent of that budget is the elderly and disabled right? And we're getting older, right? And we're recognizing people with disabilities and doing more things for them. That, that number is going to grow. Tom, you and I are both getting gray and we've been, we've been around here for, Me, for a while. Me apparently more than you. Well, <laughs> got a little bit in my beard, but, but, but we need to uh, figure this out. And so, you know, the idea that we're going to, as, as, uh, as Representative Winkler said, just kind of throw out numbers and not substantiate them. I can tell you there's $450 million in the Senate budget that's unsubstantiated. Now, yesterday, Governor Walls went to an education rally at the Capitol and not only pitted you guys all against each other, but also against some other states. Let's listen to what he had to say. You know, there are competing ideas about what Minnesota should look like. I got to tell you, I'm hearing a lot of great ideas from some folks that fit better in Mississippi and Alabama than they do in Minnesota. Senator Chamberlain, I believe that was a direct shot at uh, Republicans who he says are trying to send us down the path of uh, some states. Apparently, he doesn't uh, like a great deal. Uh, apparently not. Uh, look, there's a lot of conjecture. If he is talking about one Minnesota, he ought to lead like a one Minnesota. He's not acting like a governor who wants to lead one Minnesota. He's dividing us. He's trying to divide us. And as uh, Senator Ingebrigtsen said the other day, the only one here with D.C. experience is Governor Waltz. 
Now, if he wants to get something done, the Senate's not going to leave the table. It will not be the body to leave the table. It will be the, not us. It will be someone else. But this is unsustainable. Uh, we are not gaining a lot of people. Our labor force is shrinking. And lastly, there's a lot of chatter about seniors and disabled. The governor's budget cuts nursing homes $68 million. Our budget increases it. The governor sustains the cuts in disability waivers. Ours replaces it. Representative Winkler, are the biggest sticking points, and I know you haven't been in the most recent negotiations, is it still the health care provider tax and the gas tax? Are those the two major obstacles? I can't say exactly what the outstanding issues are in negotiations. Uh, that wouldn't uh, help us get to a resolution. What helps get us to a resolution is a, is a spirit <coughs> of compromise and understanding that both sides have to give something. Uh, I do believe it's, it's possible to reach an agreement, uh, not to get all the bills done, but to reach an agreement before this session ends. I think that's what everyone should be focused on. And both sides will have to compromise. We're ha going to have to get off of this lights-on uh, kind of approach where we just do the bare minimum and hope for the best. We actually have to do the work to build a budget that works. Now, I've been a little surprised that more of you have not been involved in the negotiations. It's really down to essentially three people, the governor, the House Speaker, and the majority leader. Uh, this is far different from what we heard back in February when we were told there was going to be kind of a kumbaya approach to ending this session. Let's listen to what uh, legislative leaders and the governor said in February. The agreement that we are announcing today puts us on a pathway to have more of the budget conversations in public and puts us on a pathway to end the session on time. Minnesota seems to like divided government and we have divided government again. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we have to be divided on everything. Now, Governor Walls was there as well. He echoed uh, the comments made by the legislative leaders, but I would argue uh, lawmakers remain divided, uh, Representative Dowd, on almost everything, and this might be the least open process I've witnessed in my 20-some years covering the Capitol. It probably has been, and, and uh, it's a little odd for me not to be in the cone of silence this year <laughs> after quite a few years, but um, I, I noticed again get a lot more leisure around the Capitol uh, not being in there. But the reality is Minnesotans want to know what's going on. They want to know what's holding it up. And, and if it's things like a, an extreme approach to raising the gas tax 70%, 20 cents a gallon that Minnesotans don't support, Minnesotans want to know that. If it's, if it's raising the cost of health care by putting a tax on every health care procedure in the state, Minnesotans ought to know that. And, and those are two things that not only do we not need, uh, but we shouldn't do to Minnesotans right now. Would Republicans even give in a, a nickel gas tax increase, anything to put more money into transportation? Republicans showed that you can solve that problem without new revenue. We did that. Uh, we put $6 billion of money in our plan over 10 years in, into roads and bridges. We showed that you can fund that without new revenue. Um, the, the dirty little secret the Democrats don't want you to know is they want that new revenue um, into roads and bridges because they're planning to take $460 million out of roads and bridges and put it back into the general fund. They're basically going to steal from the road and bridge money we put in two years ago um, and put that in the general fund and just backfill it with gas tax. Senator Hayden, about 10 or so years ago, the gas tax went up eight and a half cents. I don't know that a lot of people noticed a big difference in, in the roads. Uh, there may be more construction. It's hard to say, but with a 20 cent gas tax increase, I would think most Minnesotans would want a no potholes at all guarantee if it's going to go up 20 cents. And nobody's guaranteeing that. So I think it's a very difficult sell. Well, uh, Tom, I think you editorialize this. I think Minnesotans are seeing better roads and better bridges right outside my community, 35W. Except, except Democrats have been saying ever since then that they still need more and more money. Well, because things age. We, we drive on these roads every single day. We had a harsh winter. They're salted. The roads are road, so we have to keep up that deferred maintenance. Right now, right outside 
outside of my, my, my community, in the heart of it, 35W is being redone because it was eroding. And that's the kind of projects that all over the state, Highway 14, Highway 12, these are the most dangerous highways in Minnesota. People are dying each and every day. That's how we fix those. Final quick words from Representative Winkler and Senator Chamberlain. Representative Winkler. Well, on road construction, you get what you pay for, just like in all these other budget areas. Minnesota's, Minnesotans know there's no free lunch. And so the way we pay for road construction is with the gas tax. It doesn't have to be something that we like, but it is how it's paid, and it is all constitutionally dedicated to roads and bridges. So if you want decent roads, you have to pay for it. Senator Chamberlain, will Republicans give in even one penny on the gas tax? We're not interested in that at all. Um, as uh, uh, Minority Leader Doubt mentioned, uh, we have plenty of money in the system. The proposal for 20 cents, by the way, broken down by the DOT, shows seven, seven cents will go to roads, actual to the roads and the pavement. The rest goes to debt and research. Uh, currently, we have eight over $8 billion in the pipeline for road and bridge infrastructure projects. So we have plenty of money in the system. We do not need to go back and raise taxes, which will burden everybody across state for everything. And we're out of time. Senator Chamberlain, Senator Hayden, Representative Doubt, Representative Winkler, thank you for being here. Uh, I'm sorry you're not in the cone of silence, but I'm glad you weren't so you could be here today uh, <laughs> to you. join us. Uh, thank you very much. You. Up next, we'll bring in Andrea Macros and Brian McClung for their perspective on what's happening at the Capitol. We'll be back with political analysis in two minutes. And we're back. Time now for political analysis. Joining me today, Andrea Macros, who has been through the budget wars with the DFL Senate and Governor Dayton, and Brian McClung, former communications director for Republican Governor Tim Pawlenty, been through, what, three budget three sessions. So you've both been down this road before. And I was somewhat amused when I was at that news conference back in February where they said this year is going to be different. I hear that every year. I remember Steve Swigum, the former House Speaker, used to say, we're going to be out of here by April. That <laughs> just never happens. It's always messy, at least in recent decades, and I don't see an end in sight to this session. Do you? Well, best of intentions always, um, but the fact is the cone of silence does tend to lead to deals. Uh, as Washington has shown us, public posturing rarely accomplishes uh, what is a, a difficult task in front of them. So hopefully the fact that they're still in that cone of silence means they're talking and they're finding solutions. But it's difficult for the public, Brian, to know, uh, you know who, who to blame. I, I guess you just retreat to your corner, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, and you blame the other side. But we have no idea what offers have been made, what counteroffers have been made, who's being reasonable, who might be unreasonable because of this so-called cone of silence. Yeah, and this cone of silence idea has really narrowed over the years. And back in the Palenti administration, there were more people at the table. There were committee chairs, there were commissioners. I mean, we never would have cut a budget deal without DFL Senator Linda Berglund there to talk about health and human services, for example. So it has certainly narrowed over time. And the deal that we had back when I was the governor's spokesperson was that we wouldn't attack the other side publicly, but we did come out and share information with the media and even through the course of those negotiations, sometimes shared those offer sheets, and it has really gone to a much tighter version of that. And I think that's tough because now, as you say, the public and, you know, the uh, 190 legislators who aren't part of the negotiations don't have a sense of the progression of the discussions that are happening in those sessions. And initially we did get actually written offers that were going back and forth so we could, we had some idea of what was happening, but now it is essentially just those three people at the bargaining table, and in fact, yesterday at that education rally at the Capitol, uh, the governor, talking to teachers, said that for once uh, there is a teacher at those negotiations. Uh, let's listen to what he had to say. All those years of teaching, I wondered who the hell sat at that table. 
Well, guess what? 80,000 teachers sat at that table. Obviously, that got a roar from a crowd of teachers, uh, but is that productive? Uh, some of, he was a little more strident yesterday than he had been uh, in previous uh, days and weeks. Well, this is exactly what we were just talking about, that that public posturing doesn't always lead to a deal. Look, these are really tough decisions. There's a lot of stakes on the table, things that have been talked about throughout a campaign and then a legislative session. So this is years in the making, lots at stake. Uh, one thing I do want to note is that amidst all the budget discussions, uh, we're running out the clock on a lot of important policy items as well that have been discussed throughout the session, whether it's uh, making insulin more affordable or solving the opioid crisis. And that is a danger of losing all of that good policy work uh, in this budget talk as well. Just 30 seconds left. One path forward that people had talked about in the past couple of weeks was Republicans give in on the health care provider tax, maybe just extend it for two more years and, you know, kick that down the road, and then uh, Democrats give up on the gas tax and the license tab fees and those types of things. Is that still the likely path here to finishing this? Well, we'll see. I think Republicans feel like that deal on the health care provider tax was something that they negotiated in 2011 and they gave up something in the negotiations at that time and so they're not interested in giving up something for it again so i think that's where republicans are on that and the idea that you make health care more uh, less expensive by taxing people who are sick is not popular so i think they're really going to hold on to that but we'll see you know they're going to have to make a move at some point in the negotiation 10 seconds left does this go till the end of june well, there's hardly anything special about a special session anymore. So this is clearly headed that direction. I don't think we're talking shutdown at this point, but uh, the pressure is on for folks to get the job done. All right. We'll be keeping a close eye. We'll be at the Capitol all day and all night tonight and see what happens. Thank you both, Andrea and Brian, for being here. Up next, Mike Erlinson and Kurt Zellers will be here for Face Off, and we'll have our quote of the week. You don't want to miss that. We're back in two minutes. In the midst of budget negotiations, Governor Tim Walz was able to break away and speak at Thursday's Minnesotans Military Appreciation Fund dinner, and he used a military analogy to describe his push to get a budget deal done. It's our quote of the week. For the Air Force folks here, I am going to land this plane by Monday, one way or another. So, I don't know, I don't know how many engines will be left on it, but it will land. I can tell you this now, it's coming in hot. Yeah. It's going to be coming in hot. You may want to put some foam down on the runway because that's be no where we're ending. Uh, joining me for Face Off, Mike Erlinson, former DFL party chair, and Kurt Zellers, former Republican House Speaker. Uh, Kurt, I'll start with you. You've yeah. been through the budget uh, wars at the, the highest level. What's going on in those meetings right now? Well, they're trading back and forth. They, you know, they're probably to a point where somebody said, that's it, I'm done, I'm walking out, and left the room, um, depending on how much they wanted to show. They either left out the front door, so all of you guys could see them, or they went down the back door to keep a little modicum of respect for the process. But uh, it's back and forth now, and it's down to probably the last three or four big items, which is the gas tax, the provider tax, and how much spending we're going to do. Yeah, because you can work around the periphery, uh, but then when it comes right down to it, there are those big issues that both have hung their hats on since day one of the session. Right, they're big issues, and what do they all involve? Money, right, and how are we going to spend it or how are we going to raise it? Yeah. So, And those are difficult negotiations, right? I think the governor all along has been negotiating in good faith, right? I think he's been pretty clear, even in some of his public statements, that he's willing to compromise on things. And so the good news is that they've been pretty quiet, and so that we're seeing this process, whatever it is that the speaker described, going back and forth. Um, and they're getting closer, I think. You know, and I'm, maybe that's a glider. Maybe it's not a plane on flyer. <laughs> but the, the most difficult thing to, to hash out here is 
that Democrats come in at $12 billion in tax increases over four years, right. and Republicans are at zero. Right. Uh, it's very difficult to find uh, a compromise in there when it is so easy to lose an election over raising taxes, especially if Republicans do it, because it's what they stand for, is holding line on taxes. Right, and, and no offense, but don't cry me a river. I mean, you're still spending a billion and a half, plus the, the recent forecast just came another half a billion. So this idea that this is all the Republicans' fault because they won't raise taxes, if the average Minnesotan out there knew that we were going to have at least a billion and a half, almost $2 billion more than they expected to spend two years ago when this put this budget together, they'd say, give me a break. Go down there and get your crap done and quit complaining. I mean, this is a billion and a half dollars right now, plus another half a billion, and they're having a hard time, you know, figuring it out? Well, boo-hoo. And to give you an idea of how difficult it is to raise taxes, you'll recall several years ago, Democrats controlled the governor's office, the House and the Senate, and even they couldn't raise the gas tax because they know it's very uh, politically perilous. Yes. Well, it's very difficult to raise taxes. There's no question about it, right? And none of us want to see our taxes go up. Right? But the reality is, do we want to pay for the things that we want to have in Minnesota and have the best in this country, right? like education? Look, at nobody, everybody knows that our transportation dollars are not enough to sustain what's going on in the state of Minnesota with the potholes and increasing in transportation and, and transit costs and the population growing. So, you know, the Republicans have been no, no, no on everything, right? And that I think that is the problem. You can't start with zero and sit there hunkered down and not make a compromise. The governor's trying to compromise and get a solution. You each have less than 10 seconds to tell me when is this going to end? Uh, Mid-June. I'll go with mid-June because he's a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been through it before, so we'll see what happens. Mike Erlinson, Kurt Zellers, thank you both for being here. Up next, a major milestone for Jack Jablonski. That after a break. Five Eyewitness News is presented by Nissan Summer of SUVs Sales Event. Get ready for summer at Nissan's Summer of SUV sales event and save big on road with Intelligent Around View Monitor. Plus, save on our full SUV lineup. Get total possible finance savings of $65.83 on Murano. When you put your family's name on everything you make, you make certain everything's just right. It's been that way for four generations with the Fellows family, and why our award-winning sit-stand is transforming today's workspaces. The Fellow Sit Stand is smarter by design and features our patented smooth lift technology that adjusts up and down with ease. So if you want precision engineering that stands the test of time, we're the Fellows to talk to. Can you feel it? It's heating up and we are setting RV prices on fire. Now's the time to ditch that old camper and save up to 43% on a new RV. While you're at it, take this summer off payments with no payments for 90 days and get huge discounts on grills during Grill Fest. Visit your local Gander Outdoors and Gander RV today. Get ready for summer at Nissan's Summer of SUV sales event and save big on road with Intelligent Around View Monitor. Plus, save on our full SUV lineup. Get total possible finance savings of $65.83 on Murano. As we mentioned earlier, Governor Walls took a break from budget talks Thursday to be at the annual Minnesotans Military Appreciation Dinner in Bloomington. Also in attendance, newly retired General Joseph Votel. He was the keynote speaker. The former top U.S. commander of Middle East operations. 
and it was great to have him at the event. I had the pleasure of emceeing that event for the umpteenth year in a row. I love that event. The dinner is a fundraiser for the Minnesotans Military Appreciation Fund, which benefits service members and their families. Less than nine years after he was paralyzed in a hockey accident, Jack Jablonski is a college graduate. Last week, the Benilde St. Margaret alum went through college graduation ceremonies at the University of Southern California. He still has a couple classes to complete before he can get his diploma, but congratulations to Jack. You can listen to episodes of At Issue every week on iTunes and Podcast One. We have links posted on the At Issue page at KSTP.com. And that is all the time we have for now. Thanks for joining us for this live edition of At Issue. We'll see you again next week for another edition of At Issue.